From the world-famous city of New Orleans, it's the Black and Blue Report. Starring Sean Kelly, producer Dan, D-Dub in the Black and Blue Orchestra, yeah. and the Benchwarmers. Today's special guests include the New Orleans Saints, the New Orleans Pelicans, and whoever else we could get to stop by. Online and worldwide, it's the Black and Blue Report. Live, sort of, from Studio B, here's Sean Kelly. Our goes at Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report. We're very close to football again for the weekend, and our road trip with the Pelicans continues on this Friday edition. Hi again, everybody. I'm Sean Kelly, and I am in Boston, Massachusetts this morning, where it is... Uh, well, it's uh, slowing down, to say the least. But overnight, a blizzard hit the northeast, uh, uh, kind of almost a typical nor'easter that has dumped snow all across New England. And temperatures this morning are in the single digits with wind chills hovering between 15 and 20 below zero. So it is uh, a cold road trip that started in Minneapolis and remains cold and now with a ton of snow in Boston. The uh, Pelicans made it safely in here uh, yesterday afternoon, they left a little bit early from Minneapolis before um, the threat of a closed airport would uh, really cause a problem. But here they are in Boston, and they'll get set to take on the Celtics tonight at 6.30. With that, we'll hear from Monty Williams later in the show. Pelicans head coach had his radio show last night on WWLFM, our flagship, and we want to play for you uh, coach's comments from last night's Monty Williams show. That's a part of our Friday edition of this Black and Blue Report, and you bet – you bet we're going to talk Saints and Eagles extensively today as John DeShazer is set to stop by from NewOrleansSaints.com. We're also going to hear from Judy Batista. She is a writer and analyst with the NFL Network and NFL.com, formerly of the New York Times. And then we'll head up to Philadelphia and get some thoughts from John Marks. He's a radio talk show host with 97.5 The Fanatic in Philadelphia. And we'll uh, gauge fan interest uh, of the Eagles fans with regard to not only their team, but this matchup with New Orleans this weekend. So a very busy show for you on this uh, Friday as we're very excited not only about uh, Pelicans basketball tonight against Boston but for sure Saints and Eagles tomorrow on Wild Card Saturday. So with that we better get started. Again John DeShazer, Judy Batista, John Marks and Monty Williams. A full show that gets underway with JD in just a moment. NBA All-Star 2014 is coming to New Orleans with an exciting lineup. The BBVA Compass Rising Stars challenges your ticket to see the NBA's newest stars. On Friday, February 14th, the New Orleans Arena will play host as the rookies and sophomores team up to battle for bragging rights and make a name for themselves in the Big Easy. Tickets are on sale now through NBAevents.com for as low as $10. BBVA Compass Rising Stars Challenge. Your ticket to see the NBA's newest stars. Are you ready for health care reform? At Blue Cross, we're ready to help. Learn all you can about health care reform at bcbsla.com slash reform. Here you'll find information on tax credits, health insurance options, answers to frequently asked questions, and a handy checklist to help you prepare. Visit us today at bcbsla.com slash reform and get ready. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana is an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association and is incorporated as Louisiana Health Service and Indemnity Company. Hardwood, hardball, and hard knocks. This is the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report on this Friday. Still to come, Judy Batista. 
from the NFL Network, John Marks from 97.5 The Fanatic in Philadelphia. And we'll hear from Pelicans head coach Monty Williams, too, on this Friday as the Pelicans are getting set to take on the Boston Celtics tonight, weather permitting, I guess. Uh, we're still waiting to hear if there are any changes in the schedule. But joining us here in uh, segment two is John DeShazer, senior writer for, uh, for NewOrleansSaints.com. Uh, John, I know that Philadelphia is going to be, well, a little brisk tomorrow. Uh, what does a southern gentleman like you have to pack with regard to bracing for the cold on your trip later today? Well, you know, I've gotten rid of most of my winter heavy, heavy stuff, you know, being in, in southern Louisiana. You know, you don't need all that stuff, and now I wish I had because because uh, it's a little it's a little chilly up there. I don't have the the thermals, you know. So now just a jackets and jeans and hats and that kind of you know. But I, I used to have like a big big heavy duster like you know the Cowboys used to wear, and I don't know where it is. I probably wore it like one time while I was here, and you know maybe I was just wearing it just to show because I had bought it. But I ain't got anything like that now, man. So I'm just gonna go up there and uh, and hope to be inside more than anything. Uh, John's packing today. The Saints leave this afternoon at about 3 p.m. to head to Philadelphia for tomorrow night's game. Uh, John, as they say, it's all done here but the hitting. Um, give me the uh, end-of-week report with regard to the New Orleans Saints and what you're hearing as regard to um, them kind of wrapping up preparations for the Eagles tomorrow. Well, I mean, they're you know defensively they're expecting the Eagles to be fast-paced on offense and those kind of things. But here's two critical critical things that, you know, that we – we don't know exactly how it's going to go. Uh, Pierre Thomas, the running back, and safety Raphael Bush, uh, who's part of their uh, big safety, uh, big nickel defensive package, neither of those guys practice Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, so we don't know exactly about their availability for Saturday's game. Uh, Pierre Thomas with a chest and Raphael Bush with an ankle. Uh, if those guys aren't available, obviously that hinders you know, somewhat what the Saints want to do and some of what they're able to do, especially with Thomas on the offensive end, because, you know, he's a guy who as a running back, he can do everything in every package, you know, so he can disguise things. He can run the ball. He can catch the ball. He's great at at, uh, blitz pickup. So if he can't play, then, you know, certainly I I would think that that would hinder the Saints a great deal. They've made, they've kind of made do without safeties here and there, but not having Kenny Vaccaro and not having Raphael Bush, the guy who would stand in for Kenny Vaccaro really is going to hurt there too. So, you know, we'll see how those things go. I guess it might be a game-time decision on each of those guys. But so far this week, we know they have not worked out. We'll check and see exactly what they do today. Those are two significant pieces of the storylines that go into tomorrow. Um, that means Mark Ingram, at least running the football, will have probably the bulk of the carries. The, uh, the season that Ingram has had, John, um, have you witnessed something like this before that you can put your fingers on to, or at least relate to the fact that Ingram was – uh, struggling with regard to fan opinion of, of that running back early in the season. And here now, I would say he's accounted for himself fairly well in the second half of the season. So well, it's, um, it's been a love-hate relationship almost with him. Yeah, I was about to say, to say struggling it would be mild. I mean, they hated him, uh, despised him for a while. And uh, a lot of it, I don't think, was the kid's fault. I mean, uh, unfortunately, the Saints weren't running the ball well at that point in time with anyone. And he was just the guy who got the brunt of the criticism because he's a former Heisman Trophy winner. And he came into the season a little bit lighter and, you know, said he was much improved. And now I think we are seeing some of those improvements, though, now that they're run blocking better and they're being more effective in the run game. Uh, you know, these last couple of games, you know, Carolina, we saw him run well. Uh, certainly we saw him run well in the Dallas game. In the second half of the season, he's really picked it up. 
and not so much the attempts because the Saints running back isn't going to get, you know, 25 attempts per game, but it's the yards per attempt more than anything. He's probably been around four and a half or five for his second half carry, so he's really shown up well. And if, if, if Pierre Thomas can't play, then, yeah, he's going to be critical to what they want to do in the run game because he's a guy who's run it probably the most effectively in the second half of the season. John, on Wednesday we heard all the stories coming out about changing the Gatorade and the new sweats for the travel and, and some of the food choices for the Saints this week in this one to change up the routine here with a road game on Saturday, right down to even playing music at practice. Um, those were interesting to say the least, but – you know, you travel with the Saints. Have you noticed any other tangible changes in the way that they're going to go about the operation of moving that football team up there and their routine going into Saturday's game against Philadelphia? Well, I mean, outside of staying outside the city, to be honest with you, I've seen a team that, you know, maybe, and maybe I'm overstating this, but they seem very, very loose this week. Uh, you know, almost, you know, a devil may care, we got nothing to lose kind of attitude. And, and they seem pretty, uh, pretty jovial about everything. Uh, you know, they're talking about those, you know, the sweatsuits and the Gatorade. I think those are actually changes that they kind of make, you know, for psychological reasons, if for, if for nothing else. But, yeah, from an attitudinal standpoint, they seem to be an extremely loose team, all things considered, considering the stakes and, and the fact that, you know, the, the, the history of that's hanging over the head. You know, the Saints have never won a road playoff game. They're 0-3 under Sean Payton and 0-5 overall. But they seem to be an extremely loose bunch. And so we'll see if that if that plays well for them in Philadelphia. Doesn't that seem strange for a team that has eleven wins? I mean, that's the to me that's the the weird part of this whole NFC side of the bracket in the tournament here is that Philly, who was in the worst division in football, comes out of there with a strong finish to just barely win that division, and yet they're hosting and here an eleven win Saints team is playing loosey goosey going into the week, almost acting as if they're the underdog and. And we'll just see what happens. It, it, that that dynamic seems uh, off kilter to me. Well, it, it almost does, but from the same standpoint, I mean, that, you know, again, you know, psychologically, they're, you know, they're pulling out, you know, every every trick and every every you know thing they can go to, and I can see why they do it. I mean, you don't want guys overthinking the matter, you know, especially you know they went three and five on the road in the regular season. Uh, they hadn't won a, a playoff game in franchise history on the road. And so those things, if you know, if you continue to hear that and hear that and hear that, maybe it seeps in a little bit more psychologically than you want it to. And I guess the flip side is, if you if you if you're extremely loose, and if you have that kind of devil may care, and you know you you're having fun at practice, and you know putting a little juice and a little bounce into it, maybe it'll get guys to remain loose during the game and on the field. And you know, if these guys you know feel good and they play loose and they play fast. You know, maybe they'll get the result they're looking for. How much do you think the win over Tampa Bay in the regular season plays into this week for the New Orleans Saints? Oh, it's huge, especially offensively, because the offense in the last three road games has scored a total of 36 points. That's 12 a game. And that's not the offense that we've become accustomed to now. You know, scoring 42 at home against Tampa Bay was huge because they felt like they got back on track offensively. And as much as anything, they had, you know, three touchdown drives of 80 yards and one of 92 yards. So they got to the point where they feel like they can sustain drives. Now, can you translate that to the road in the cold in Philadelphia against the defense that's played pretty well the second half of the season? That remains to be seen, but they needed something like that to rebuild the confidence and to reinstill the belief in themselves that, look, 
this is an offense that, you know, if it's clicking, it can't be stopped. You know, nobody can do anything with it. They had to have that just so they can go into this playoff game feeling like, okay, we're unstoppable. And if you go in with that kind of confident attitude, you know, and if you give it an early drive or two to go for you, then all of a sudden they get the feeling that, you know, okay, we can't be stopped. We can take this anywhere we want to go. And, you know, most everyone is, is forecasting this to be an offensive shootout between these two teams. Well, the Saints, you know, unfortunately have to prove that they can get into a shootout situation, at least offensively. They've got to prove that they can score on the road, which they have not done the last three games. John DeShazer, senior writer for NewOrleansSaints.com. Good stuff, J.D. Um, get the long underwear out, and I hope you pack smartly for your trip to Philadelphia. Man, I'm going to be as warm as I possibly can. I might have to buy the thermal when I get there or something because, you know, that I don't even know if they sell them around here, and I wouldn't know where to get them this time of morning anyway. But, <laughs> but it's, yeah, I'm not, look, I'm not looking forward to, to freezing, you know, my, my took-us off in, in, in Philly. But, hey, you got to do what you got to do. So you take one for the team and, and try to keep warm. Bring us home a win, will you? I, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Yeah, hey, you do the same with the Bells now. Come on. That, that thing in Minnesota was a little bit off kilter. So hopefully um, they can put it back together in Boston. I'm hoping too. I'm, 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 I'm hoping that it'll be a small crowd of New Englanders uh, tonight as the Pelicans uh, take care of business against the Celtics. That's for sure. We'll talk to Monty Williams a little bit later about where things are with the Pelicans this week. As we continue, Judy Batista is still to come. John Marks, too, a talk show host from Philadelphia, all on this Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report. John, travel safe. Thanks again, my friend. Hey, thank you. Uh, We'll talk soon. Yes, we will talk very soon. Look for John's coverage all weekend long on NewOrleansSaints.com, including his exclusive game day interview with head coach Sean Payton. That'll be tomorrow, of course, on NewOrleansSaints.com as the Saints get set to take on the Eagles as a part of Wild Card Weekend in the NFL. All right, coming up next, Judy Batista to give us her angle on things from NFL.com and the NFL Network as the Black and Blue Report continues. Okay, you've just been told you have a serious heart issue, congestive heart failure, a valve problem, a complex rhythm disorder. Now what? At Auctioner, we suggest you take a moment and do some research. When you do, you'll find Auctioner Medical Center has the only heart program in the region ranked among the nation's best by U.S. News & World Report. We routinely treat the most complex cases with revolutionary procedures such as surgical and non-surgical valve replacements and the total artificial heart. And we have the largest, most comprehensive program for treating arrhythmias in the Gulf South, offering options not available elsewhere in the region. At the end of the day, the most important thing to hear is... I just saw your test results, and they look great. No problems. Leading edge care. Just one more reason to choose an auctioner-affiliated physician. For an appointment, visit auctioner.org or call 1-866-AUCTIONER. That's O-C-H-S-N-E-R. Auctioner. Healthcare with peace of mind. Follow us on Twitter at BlackBlueReport. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report this Friday. We're almost set for NFL football this weekend, and with that, we are privileged to have uh, Judy Batista with us from NFL.com and the NFL Network. Of course, uh, Judy spent, gosh, a better part of a decade and a half at the New York Times, right, Judy, before you jumped to the NFL this, this past summer? That's right, almost 15 years. Wow. Happy New Year, by the way. Thanks. Happy New Year to you and everybody out there. Thank you. And uh, New Year can apply not only to the calendar, but to the new uh, the new NFL season. The postseason is here. Um, but first, uh, some uh, league news to clean up from earlier this week. I 
I just uh, got done reading your piece that you wrote earlier this week about the coaching carousel. Six coaching changes on tap for us in the NFL. Did that number surprise you, Judy? They're on what we call Black Monday. No, you know, that's about the number I thought. I didn't think it was going to be one of those really horrific Black Mondays where you get, you know, there was one year we had 10 or 11. I just didn't see it uh, being that bad. But let's face it, there's still a few unknowns. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen in Tennessee with Mike Munchak, so that could still happen. And in Miami, uh, you know, the Dolphins seem poised for some kind of shakeup, although maybe Joe Philbin survives. Um, but, I, you know, I thought about a half dozen was, was about the right number, even though there were some surprises. You know, I mean, Rob Chitzinski in Cleveland obviously came out of nowhere. So, Is Jason Garrett safe in Dallas? Yes. I think he was always safe in Dallas, to be honest. Um, I think Jerry Jones was sincere when he said he was not coaching for his job. And, you know, before, even before they lost uh, to the Eagles in the final game, Jerry Jones said something on the day that Tony Romo had the back surgery he said uh, in Dallas, well, look, if we don't make it, you know, you've got to take the injuries into consideration. And I thought that really, you know, gave a window into his mindset that he just thought this year they had too many big injuries to too many significant players. And, you know, they just couldn't rebound. And then obviously going into the biggest game of the season without your quarterback is makes it, you know, very, very difficult. Judy, when you look at um, what's now open Lovey Smith is going to go to Tampa Bay, so it looks like we're going to see some recycling here. But will there yeah. be any surprises in any of the new hires in your eyes? You know, this is a strange year. When I've talked to people um, around the league, one sense that uh, people have is that maybe the reason we have not seen more coaches being shuffled around is there, this is just not a very strong pool of candidates this year. You know, it seems like some years – you just happen to hit on the cycle where there's a lot of very hot college coaches who are prepared to make the jump, um, or you just happen to hit part of the cycle where there's a lot of hot coordinators and recycled coaches all at the same time. This is not that year. Uh, Bill O'Brien you know, was the hot college coach. There would be other hot college coaches, but they've indicated people like David Shaw at Stanford, they've indicated they're not going to leave college yet. Um, you know, Sumlin, he would be a hot candidate, but uh, those guys seem – pretty happy in their college gigs right now and so that has shrunk the pool lovey smith i think was other than bill o'brien coming up from college lovey smith i think was the most obvious hot candidate you know i mean he you know got fired after a 10 and 6 season at the bears um but after that i mean there's just not that many big gun candidates you know i mean josh mcdaniels is sought after in cleveland because of the association with mike lombardi and the patriots but you know, otherwise, are people banging down Josh McDaniel's door? I don't know. Um, so I think you're going to see some recycling uh, because I and and probably you know some coordinators get jobs because frankly I don't think there's all that much of a selection. Judy Batista from NFL.com, the NFL Network, with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Judy, if you're a sought-after coaching candidate, is Detroit the best job out there? Um, to me, it is. Now, I think it's interesting that Lovey Smith went to Tampa, and I have to think that part of that is his familiarity with Tampa. You know, he'd been there before. He's got strong alliances with people who are still in the building. So, and, you know, he may just have more of a comfort level with living there. Um, but Detroit was interested in talking to Lovey, too. And the Detroit situation is, is better to me than any other job that was available for the simple reason they have the quarterback. And um, even though, you know, Washington obviously has RG3, you don't know if he's going to ever be the same player health-wise. Um, and there's other issues there in Washington to contend with. But 
Detroit has, you know, a young roster, good good defensive players. Obviously, you've got Matthew Stafford, you know, Megatron. I mean, that's a pretty good setup there, and and good ownership. I mean, the Ford family is considered, you know, patient owners, a great facility to play in. So that has all of the elements there. Judy, it's wild card weekend. All right, let's get to these four games. Kansas City at Indianapolis, New Orleans at Philadelphia. That's your Saturday uh, lineup. Then on Sunday, San Diego at Cincinnati and San Francisco at Frigid Green Bay. Um, <laughs> t- take, take me 30,000 feet and then on down. Uh, out of the four games, uh, what are the most intriguing to you? This weekend, the most intriguing games to me are the, the two NFC games, um, and I'm not, you know, no disrespect intended to the AFC, but those are not the, the matchups I particularly care about. But the NFC games are, are really interesting. San Francisco's the hottest team uh, going into the playoffs, I think, and, uh, and they give the Packers a lot of trouble. And, but, of course, now that the Packers have Aaron Rodgers back and they're playing at Lambeau and the weather is going to be just horrific, uh, you know, you can't rule the Packers out, even though their their defense is certainly not what you would think of as a playoff caliber. Um, but that's a great matchup. And then, of course, the Saints in, in Philadelphia, uh, is, you know, the, the Eagles really have come out of nowhere this year. I don't think anybody thought Chip Kelly was going to be able to turn it on this quickly in the NFL, and they have. They're a really powerful team, and, of course, the Saints are perennial contenders. And uh, anytime you have Drew Brees, you got a chance. So those are the two matchups I'm most looking forward to watching. Judy Batista from NFL.com with us uh, on the Black and Blue Report. Judy, you're going to Philadelphia, as I understand it, correct? Yes, I am. All right, let's talk about storylines then for these uh, Saints fans that are listening today. Um, you know, we're hearing over and over again in New Orleans you know, about the Saints have never won a road playoff game, 3-5 and five on the road this regular season, and now they're wanting to change things up, rightfully so. <laughs> um, in, in 09, we heard all these things about – this has never been done, this has never been done, and then they accomplish those things on their way to a Super Bowl. So is this, are the Saints in a position here to end this conversation about their road woes, especially in the postseason? Well, they're in a position to do it, but frankly, they they got to put up or shut up. I mean, they've got to do it. You know, it, they were a little prickly about it during the regular season when people would bring up that they weren't playing as well on the road, but then they really didn't play well on the road, especially toward the end of the season. And finally, Sean Payton said, like, look, you know, these are valid questions now. I mean, if, if we can't step it up, um, they're certainly in a position to do it. As I said, I mean, you know, you have Drew Brees, uh, so a- anything is possible. And the other thing to keep in mind is concerns about their performance on the road are all relative. They're still okay on the road. They're just not, you know, blowing the doors off on the road the way they do at home at the Superdome. Um, but, look, you have to look at the statistics. They score an average of 16 fewer points on the road. That's a lot. That's a big difference. And the defense allows an average of seven more points on the road. You know, that's a pretty big spread compared to what they do at home. Um, you know, I, I don't particularly care how they've done in the past. Like, to me, them saying, like, well, you know, they've never won a playoff game. on the road. Well, it doesn't matter. Teams change year to year. So I don't really look at past performance, but I do look at this season's performance, and, and it's troubling. I may be being too cliche in bringing this up, and you tell me if I am, but the fact that Chip Kelly's never coached an NFL postseason game to me is a somewhat significant storyline. Am I way off base there, or is there some merit to that? You know, I guess so, except he'd never coached at the NFL level at all, and then he came in and was fine. You know, I mean, there were – there were concerns when when they brought him in you know could he adapt his offense what would happen then when michael vick who seemed the perfect quarterback for his style of offense went down could he adapt the offense 
and nothing has really tripped him up. I mean, they started off the season slow, and then they caught fire. And Nick Foles, of course, was a big part of that. To me, it's not so much Chip Kelly being a newbie in in the playoffs. It's Nick Foles. I mean, you know, he's been tremendous during the regular season and has been really careful, doesn't turn the ball over. But, you know, it's obviously a bigger stage in the playoffs, and the pressure goes up incrementally. And so you got to wonder now, is, is Nick Foles prepared to make the next step, too? Talk to me about Shady McCoy here in a game that's going to have some cold temperatures and whatnot, maybe harder to hold it and throw it. Does he, uh, does LaShawn McCoy have a, a significant say on how this thing turns out on Sunday or Saturday, rather? Yeah, he he does, and he would have a significant say if it were going to be sunny and 80 degrees there. I, I mean, he's uh, he's been tremendous this year, and he's fantastic for the kind of offense Chip Kelly runs. I mean, you know, one of the things that we all guessed wrong on when Chip Kelly made the jump was that, you know, is he a pass, passing first uh, coach, but really, I mean, this is a run-intensive offense, and uh, Shady McCoy is the perfect person. He will have a big say in this game no matter what, no matter what the conditions are, even if it's dry out there and just very cold. But certainly if there's any kind of precipitation that night uh, and it makes it very difficult to throw the ball and catch the ball, then, you know, they lean on him even more. And that's that's not so great for the Saints, obviously. I mean, you know, you, you know McCoy has made plenty of defenses look silly this year. All right, let's get down to brass tacks, Judy. Uh, complete complete each of the new, next two sentences for me. The first one is this. The Philadelphia Eagles will win on Saturday because? Because I, well, because I believe that the Saints uh, have to get over the mental hurdle of uh, playing on the road and playing in tough conditions. And the New Orleans Saints will win on Saturday because? Because anytime you have Drew Brees, you cannot uh, eliminate anything. And that if that offense gets going, and certainly if they get a lead, that's a problem for the for the Eagles. Great stuff. Where can they find you on Twitter, Judy? Uh, at Judy Batista. All right. Otherwise, we'll see you online, right? NFL.com and on the television, too, NFL Network. Absolutely. Um, and I'll see everybody in Philly. Sounds good. One more thing, Judy. Uh, there's got to be something in your notebook that I'm, that I'm leaving on the table here. Make sure I don't do that. Um, Anything else that we should bring up before I let you go on this Friday? No, only that one of the concerns that I have about the Saints, frankly, is that it's it's not even so much the road problems, but they have trouble in weather. They have trouble in cold in temperatures under forty degrees. So watch for that if they can come up with some ways to ease that a little bit. I know they've joked a lot about the new sweatsuits and you know the beefy Mac that Drew Brees likes before games. But let's see if they come up with some ways to make themselves more comfortable if the weather is really frigid and Philly Saturday night. Well, stay warm. Enjoy the ball game. Um, I'll look forward to speaking with you as the tournament continues, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. I'd enjoyed it. All right. Judy Batista with us from the NFL Network and NFL.com, formerly of the New York Times. Uh, check her out. Great stuff covering the NFL. And, of course, she will be a ground zero for the Saints and Eagles this weekend during Wild Card Weekend. We'll continue with more on this uh, Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report after this quick timeout. Your mission, win your share of up to $3 million in free play and prizes. M-Life presents License to Thrill, only at Beau Rivage. You could win a trip to London, even a new Mercedes E350. Drawings every Thursday and Saturday. Up to 800 winners, so play for the thrill. License to Thrill. You belong at the Bow. CM Life Desk for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-777-9696. Your New Orleans Pelicans take flight on Wednesday, January 8th 
when the Washington Wizards come to town. Tip-offs at 7 p.m. with the Pelicans Fest pregame block party getting underway at 5.30 with live music, the Zatarain Season Ticket Garden, and interactive games for the kids. Tickets start as low as $11 and are available by calling 504-525-HOOP or visiting pelicans.com today. Does your boss know you're listening? If not, turn it up louder. This is the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back into the Black and Blue Report on this Friday. We uh, check in with Philadelphia once more as we go to John Marks with 97.5 The Fanatic up in Philly. Uh, John's uh, just just walked in, I think, from shoveling the driveway. Is that right, John? Yeah, it's not often when it's uh, 14 degrees out that you're pouring sweat, but I had two cars to get out and, uh, and 10 inches of snow to shovel. So feeling good, though. I worked up a nice sweat for the interview. I guess so. You know, 10 inches of snow, and I'm up here in the northeast as well. The temperatures are in the teens at best, wind chills below zero. How much of this is going to carry over into the football game tomorrow, John? Well, it's going to be cold. It's not going to be as cold. I think the high today in Philadelphia is going to be like 18 degrees. Tomorrow, I think at game time, they're calling for maybe like 22, low 20s. But it's going to be dry, and I think that's the biggest thing. The cold, yes, we saw it affect Peyton Manning uh, in New England a few weeks ago. But I think for the most part, as long as it's dry, the football will get a little slick with the cold temperatures, but it's not going to be too bad. So cold game, but dry game. Tell me about Lincoln Financial Field and how it handles weather. I know it's, it's right off the river there, isn't it? Uh, well, it's right off of I-95, which isn't far off the river. Um, the, the, it's not like the old veteran stadium, the cookie-cutter stadiums, where uh, you didn't have the open end. It was just one round bowl. It has an end that, that, that's opened up. Um, it, you know, the turf isn't great. It's not Soldier Field crappy, but it's not the best turf in the world. But I, I think for the most part, it'll be, uh, it, it'll, it won't play to much of an advantage for anybody. John Marks with us here from Philadelphia on the Black and Blue Report. John, as the week has progressed, have any new storylines developed for the Eagles other than what we started to focus in on at the start of the week with regard to Nick Foles not having had any playoff experience or the fact that Philly carries that prolific running game in with McCoy? Is there anything that's developed here late in the week that impacts tomorrow's matchup with New Orleans? Well, I mean, a lot of uh, a lot of talk uh, about the uh, about the high school, the Drew Brees, Nick Foles connection to the high school. But I mean, for the most part, you're looking at, and this is why it's a tough game for the Eagles because uh, there's been a lot of talk about the Saints away from the dome, away from home, three and five this season. Drew Brees clearly is a different quarterback when he's not at home. If you look at the numbers, I believe 12 touchdowns and nine interceptions this year on the road, as opposed to 27 touchdowns and three interceptions. So uh, you, you couple that with the road with the, with the Saints not being that great on the road, but you're talking about a future Hall of Fame quarterback, and you're talking about one of the top uh, coaches in the league in Sean Payton, and, and now you had a dynamic defensive coordinator in Rob Ryan, so you look at those three things right there, and, and I, with the NFL, I always love to talk about head-coach-quarterback combination, and now you have a little bit of an unknown with Nick Foles and with Chip Kelly. Dynamic offense so far this year, Nick Foles, we know what he's done with his numbers, um, but no experience, and what happens in the playoffs, uh, you're not facing uh, bad defenses, you're not facing bad defenses. 
coordinators. You're facing the top guys in the league, and that's what they're going to be facing this week. So uh, I think there's a lot of unknown uh, as far as the game on Saturday night here in Philadelphia. Uh, obviously, Lashawn McCoy, top of the game. Deshaun Jackson's had a, had a had a great season so far. Chip Kelly's really run the ball, and I think that's something that we've really loved here in Philadelphia as far as NFC East football running the ball. But um, I, I would say if you polled most fans here in the city, it's a coin flip. We're really not sure what to expect. We like the home field advantage. We love what the offense has done. The defense has played very well, but you're also talking about going up against Drew Brees and Sean Payton. So there's a lot of unknown this week. Uh, you, you, you went right where I was trying to lead you, John, with regard to your talk shows on the Fanatic this week. The Philadelphia fan base has traditionally been fairly difficult to, to deal with as far as um, their criticism of their own hometown teams. Is this a fan base, though, that has rallied around an Eagles team that's gone 7-1 and one down the stretch? Do they see themselves as favorites? Do they want to be the perennial underdog? Which side of the coin are they really taking, though, John? You know, it's been a pretty interesting year because uh, at one point the Eagles were sitting at 3-5, and five and there was a lot of talk of, well, Nick Foles isn't the guy. He had a terrible game against the Dallas Cowboys uh, that led most people to believe, like, well, this, is, this isn't the guy. We're going to need to draft a quarterback. We're going to need to find a quarterback via free agency somehow. Uh, and then slowly but surely, as you said, they went on this run to where we sit today and I, I mean, yeah. I mean, the 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 fan base is definitely behind the team. I mean, it's not. It's just a breath of fresh air because a lot of national people or people outside of Philadelphia think that that we're barbarians and we eat our young in Philadelphia. But uh, we're just passionate, and and that's why the game sold out in three minutes, as opposed to Green Bay, Indianapolis, uh, that still haven't in Cincinnati that still haven't sold out their playoff games this weekend. But um, Andy Reid being here for as long as he was, and it was just the same thing over and over, and he was a very good coach, the best franchise uh, coach in franchise history, but after a while, you need something new, you need something fresh, I think, both for the team and for Andy Reid himself. Look at the success he's had going to Kansas City. So this was just a breath of fresh air. The expectations for this season were, alright, get some wins, maybe seven wins, maybe eight wins, the defense is going to stink, but then you kind of blink your eyes and you look and you're hosting a playoff game with the, the, the real possibility of maybe who knows what happens if he can beat the Saints this week. So I would say that the Philadelphia fan is a little bit stunned at what's happened this year, but now we're actually sitting in it. You know, the expectation at the beginning of the season was then. That changes as soon as you start winning games. So I think the expectation for this week is win this game or it's going to be disappointing. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. You know, you mentioned Andy Reid's time there, and maybe it was because he was there so long, but Andy Reid just struck me as a Philly guy. What about Chip Kelly? Does he fit in there? Yeah, uh, I, I would say, uh, with with all due respect to Andy Reid, I think Chip Kelly's more of a Philly guy. He's a Northeast guy, uh, grew up in, in New Hampshire, coached in New Hampshire. So not being more of a Philly guy than Andy Reid, I'm not trying to trying to put Andy Reid down, but Chip seems to get it. And um, he came out after, uh, after they played the Bears because there was a lot of talk of, because the game really was insignificant as far as making the playoffs. Seeding it meant something, but... They came out and took care of a Bears team that could have clinched the division in the second to last week of the season and beat them 54 to 11. And afterwards, he said, "You know, what, what, what was your thinking, Chip?" And he said, "We're from Philadelphia. We fight." So whether or not that was a cliche, whether or not that was drawn up by the PR staff, it worked because there's T-shirts that are made up and and people just love Chip Kelly. Here's the bottom line: if you win in Philadelphia and you just and you're all business and, and that's what Chip Kelly's done so far. People are going to love you, so he is on his way to, to being one of the more popular people here in a long time. 
John Marks with us from the Fanatic in Philadelphia. Uh, John, I had Heath Evans on yesterday, and we were trying to get our arms around whether or not we thought this game would be a shootout, if it would be low scoring because of the weather. And both of us struggled to really kind of characterize what we might see on Saturday. When you look at it on paper, uh, with the way that the Chip Kelly offense has run, the dynamics of the Drew Brees offense on the New Orleans side, this would have shootout written all over it at any other point in the season. But it is it is January. So as you look at the game tomorrow, how do you see it playing out? Yeah, it, that, that's the, the problem when you, you make a mistake of playing it on paper, and, and then it's like a, a 13-3 to game or a 13-10 to game. I, I totally agree with you. It's really tough to tell. I think uh, the, the Saints – have played in prime time before, so they're going to be more accustomed to it. But I do see some maybe first half jitters with with Nick Foles and, and with some of the players on the Eagles. Um, it is going to be cold, but then I think it opens up in the second half. I mean, uh, you, you look what happened last week with Dallas and the Eagles, and you have a backup quarterback that hasn't played really for two years, and you have a terrible defense with the Cowboys. So you figure the Eagles are going to roll. Well, they won that game by the skin of their teeth. So it's so hard to, to play the game out and say, all right, well, this is going to be a high-scoring game because the defenses aren't great and they have prolif- pro- prolific offenses. Uh, and then you actually play the game and it's 17-10. to 10. So I think it might be a tight game early or a, or a low-scoring game early, and then it opens up in the second half. And, and it's going to come down to the fourth quarter. I really believe that. I think this is going to come down to the last five minutes. And, you know, field goal, chip shot, something like that could win. Wow. All right, so we've got Philadelphia, New Orleans in the one game, San Francisco at Green Bay in the other, and, 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 and waiting in the wings there are Seattle and Carolina. Um, clearly those two teams have an advantage because of the bye this week, but in your eyes, is the NFC side of the tournament wide open, or is this an uphill climb for any wild card team that comes out of this weekend? Well, wide open, I could tell you that, that San, if San Francisco can beat Green Bay, which I believe they will, I, I just don't like their their um, their defense. And Aaron Rodgers didn't play great in his first game back, which should be expected with a little bit of rust. But San Francisco, if there's one team that can go up to Seattle and win out of the NFC, it's probably the 49ers. Very familiar with them. They, they Both teams have a chip on their shoulder for each other. So you talk about what team can go to Seattle and actually win that. I think you're talking about the San Francisco 49ers. Now, on the other hand, if the Eagles can beat the Saints, or the, the Saints beating the Eagles for that matter, going to Carolina, their defense is very, very good, don't get me wrong, but the offense just doesn't scare me. So I think that, that especially after sitting out for a week, and a team that doesn't have a lot of playoff experience in the Carolina Panthers, uh, the winner this week, the Eagles, I really believe this, and we've been kind of talking this up on the air this week, if the Eagles can beat the Saints, and then the Saints beat the Carolina Panthers, and then San Francisco wins and then beats Seattle. We're looking at a home playoff game for the NFC East Championship. So it's, it's a little bit far-fetched at this point, but I agree with you 100%. This is wide open. Who knows, goes to, who knows who advances to the Super Bowl from the NFC? Could be any, any of the, could be the three seed, could be the five seed. Yeah, as you know, the last number one seed in the NFC to win it all, the New Orleans Saints back in 09. It's been a while, so there there's go. no doubt about that. John, how can folks uh, follow you on Twitter if they want to get your reaction to the game as it progresses on Saturday? Well, it's at John Marks 975, J-O-N-M-A-R-K-S 975, uh, and I'm watching along with everybody else, so I uh, look forward to hearing from some safe fans out there. All right, very good. John, I appreciate your time today on this Friday. I hope you're done shoveling for the week, too. Yeah, me too. Another source was to come in Sunday night, but uh, hopefully that's a little bit more rain and snow. But uh, I appreciate it, and uh, good luck on Saturday. Thank you, sir. John Marks, a host with us from uh, 97.5, the Fanatic in Philadelphia as the Saints get set to take on the Eagles 
on Wild Card Saturday. More on this Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report when we continue after this quick timeout. As one Entergy customer to another, I have a tip for you. Download the free Entergy app. If my power goes out, I check the app. The outage maps let me know what's happening and when to expect my lights back on. It also makes it easy to pay my bill and manage my account, all right from my smartphone. Download the app today or visit EntergyApp.com for more information. Giving me control in the palm of my hand? That's the power of people. Entergy. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. As we mentioned at the start of the show today, the Pelicans are up in the Northeast in Boston. And tonight here in New England, the Pelicans will take on the Celtics at 6.30 Central Time at TD Bank Garden. We'll have the radio call for you on our flagship station, 105.3 WWL-FM. And then across the Pelicans radio network as well. Uh, and, of course, the, team, the game is on television tonight with Joel Myers and David Wesley calling the action on Fox Sports New Orleans. Last night we aired the Monty Williams show across uh, WWL's platform on their FM side. It's our week. Uh, it's, 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 let's see. How do I characterize this? We talk to Coach Williams just about every day, but on Thursdays we get our most extensive visit with the Pelicans head coach. So I wanted to share that with you here today on the Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report. We're kind of in transit as we speak to you. Uh, Coach and I are visiting in Minneapolis just a short time before we travel to a blizzard-like Boston right now and uh, continue this road trip. Coach, before we kind of dig into the basketball side of this, I can't help but think of guys like David Jovanovich and your trainer John Isha and Corey Johnson and the other support staff that you have that – are helping us be flexible not only on a day like this, but to move this basketball team around. I don't know if we give them enough credit sometimes. No, we don't. Um, they're like the guys who uh, are behind the scenes, but they they certainly keep the train going in the right direction. Um, you know, David, we call him Big Shot, but we, we should call him <laughs> All-Star because he does so much for me, for the staff, for everybody. Not only is he the equipment manager, he's pretty much the heart and soul of our team. He's been the most committed guy to the organization since I've been here. He came from Charlotte, um, unreal personality, lives and dies with wins and losses. And, you know, I, I would love nothing more than to win a championship and have Shadi on stage with me you know, serenading the crowd and talking about all the stuff that he's been through. He's seen everything, and he, he just loves the team. And John Ishib and Corey and Mark and Carlos, those guys are just invaluable. Um, the amount of injuries that Ish has had to deal with over a four-year span is just unbelievable. And um, his ability to get guys back on the floor by the grace of God has just been tremendous for us and so many people that I don't even I can't even recognize from all of our ball boys 
ball men, I should say. They just keep the train going in the right direction. And I, I got to give a shout out to our assistant coaches. They, um, they've seen a lot in four years. I mean, we've been through a lot of stuff. And those guys, um, when I took the job here, not many people wanted to come here. Um, they knew about the ownership situation. They knew about certain players wanting to leave. And so I had to go out and get guys who wanted to be in New Orleans. And the guys who accepted the job, obviously they wanted a job, but they were committed to being a part of this program. And Randy Ayers has had a number of opportunities to leave, and he just doesn't want to leave. Uh, his thing is he believes in, in me and he believes in what we're doing, and he just wants to be a part of it. So there's so many people that, you know, behind the scenes just keep this thing going. I mean, you could talk about Randy Greenup and what he does from a security standpoint. He, <laughs> he is a counselor and security guard and confidant, uncle, dad to a lot of our guys. And he's a homegrown New Orleans guy and loves the city, but he also has a lot of pride and wants to see our team succeed. While we visit here, the support staff is pulling luggage and trying to scramble here as the, as the flight time keeps changing with the weather situation in the Northeast. You were on the practice floor with your team earlier this morning. Did you talk to them about the challenges of uh, the weather and everything else, the logistics of now the trip outside of basketball? Yeah, it just it put a – I found out about 15 minutes before we went to the arena to get some stuff done. And what it did was cancel everything because you don't want to get snowed out um, there's a chance we could get snowed in, and um, Boston is out of town. They may not be able to get back into town, so the cancellation of our game tomorrow is, is valid. And the guys have been in situations before, but I'm not sure if anybody's been through a game cancellation. It's a weird deal. I've done it one time, actually twice, but because of weather, only one time, and you just you got so many things you're, you're worried about. You know, you want to get there safely, obviously, and then the travel to and fro a hotel is, is a big deal. And so these are the things that don't show up on Sports Center. These are the things that the, the decisions we have to make as head coaches. Uh, we got to do what's best for our team. And so today was cut short. We're getting out of here a few hours earlier so we can get there and get prepared for tomorrow. Coach, since our last extensive visit, which we do on Thursdays, uh, two and two. There have been some highs and some lows, and that was last night certainly the case here in Minneapolis. When you look back on this last week, um, why, other than youth, um, why do we see in this league, and it happens to so many teams, that, that high one night and then you seemingly can't carry it over to the next game? Well, a lot of it to me is um, <clears throat> being able to muster up a consistent Disciplined mind, um, and and to be honest, it's it's human nature to have a a big big time win like we had against Portland, and to just feel like you're going to show up and you know that's enough to win on the road um, against a pretty good team in Minnesota. But the bottom line is we, we just have to get it done, and it it starts with me and the leaders of our team, but mostly me. You know, I I got to get the guys on the same page as far as the carryover is concerned. You know, we played against Portland, and you would have thought we were going to be world changers. But deep down in my heart, I was really worried about 
this next game because we haven't been able to handle that big-time win and then move on, whether it be winning against Chicago, um, coming back against Cleveland, winning against Portland. We haven't been able to do that, and um, it's a conundrum, but it's something that we have to figure out. And um, I'm really confident that the character on our team and the, the toughness that we have on our team usually responds well to tough losses like we had against Minnesota. You were really hard on yourself last night after the game. Um, and I didn't want to read into it too much. But at the same time, um, it seemed like a real difficult finish for you personally last night. Well, it's, you know, you expect your team to play a certain way. Uh, we have a great game against Portland, a great practice the next day, and a great shoot-around. Then we step on the floor, and um, for whatever reason, it just wasn't there. And uh, I'm trying to figure out lineups to put on the floor to give us a chance to win. But no, nobody is going to be harder on themselves than – I mean, we're all like that. And, you know, it just, just so happens that I'm more public about it, and I'm not a – I don't – care about what people have to say about me. It's just part of my job. I learned that a long time ago. Everybody's going to have their own convictions, but nobody's in the fire like me. And the bottom line is, if I'm not truthful about things, and how can I expect our players to be truthful? And to me, that's the greatest form of accountability, is to hold yourself accountable. And if, if you don't have the guys that can do that, then maybe you have the wrong guys. But I, it's not that I, you know, I like criticism. I don't think anybody likes criticism, but it's just part of the job. And uh, I'm always going to protect our players. You know, that, that's part of being a coach. Uh, I don't like it when I do make the mistake of putting someone out there. I've done that before, and, and I, I didn't mean to do it. But looking back on it, I've always tried to stay away, away from that and try to make sure that I'm looking at, myself before I look at, at our team. I did a horrible pregame interview with you last night, <laughs> and I started by trying to talk about the difference between home and road. Um, and since we're in the middle of this road trip, and hopefully we will play the Boston Celtics tomorrow night, uh, God willing, and everybody be safe getting to and from the game, um, there, there is a difference. And I'm, this is what I was trying to, to talk to you about last night. As you analyze the process, if you will, um, whether it be uh, team meetings and breakfasts, or shoot-arounds and all those things, the difference between road and home, um, because we're in this stretch where you're playing 10 of 12 on the road, and because I know you'd like to have more success on the road, the same that you did perhaps like in the Portland game at home, do you, do you try and process or do you try and tweak things, or does it really in the NBA stay the same? In the NBA, it, it stays the same. I mean, a lot of it depends on where you are geographically. I know when we were on the West Coast in Portland, we uh, did some research with a sleep study doctor, and we tried to stay on Portland time when we went on the road, especially far east. When you live where we live in New Orleans, Louisiana, it's hard to do anything but try to keep everything the same because when you're headed west, you know, it's hard to stay on your time at home um, and so what we try to do is keep everything as close to our normal routine as we can. And that's, <laughs> you have a monkey wrench every now and again, like today. we got a blizzard that we're flying into, and, you know, things change. But 
we try to, at least what I learned from Coach Pop and, and Nate, is to try to keep everything as close to normal. Um, the same thing that you do at home, you try to do it on the road. You know, there are adjustments, and sometimes you have to you know, deal with the hiccups that go with being an NBA team. But if there are things that need to change, I certainly don't do them um, on my own. I, I usually talk to the staff. I talk to Dell. And if we have to make a big decision, we'll call Mickey to make sure it's okay. But NBA players are like anybody else. Um, they're really resilient, used to change. Um, I think the toughest change for players is just losing one of their guys when somebody has to be cut or traded. Outside of that, guys are pretty resilient when it comes to adjusting to change. On the road, it's interesting, before games, we get reporters that asks you all the time about Anthony Davis. And, and I know I know that can be frustrating sometimes because it's an ongoing conversation with us and it's new to them. Um, do you find, and I probably fall into the same trap, when you're watching a guy like him develop, do you find that sometimes because you're with him every day that it's hard to realize what he's doing or the kind of mark he's making that gains so much attention around the league? I think it is, you know, and that, that's where I have to um... – step out of my shoes sometimes and see it from somebody else's point of view. Um, I'm so focused on team and what we do as a team that I, I, I tend to forget about the individual growth of some of our guys. And nobody's grown more than AD in a short period of time. Yet, right before the game, that's the last thing you want to talk about is the individual progress of somebody you're worried about the team and how we're going to play in the first quarter. And um, I do get frustrated with some of the questions because I, I think a lot of times guys are only concerned about their story. And to me, that's selfish um, because a lot of times guys will ask you a question, you answer it, then they run right in the locker room and tell the player what you just said. And it, it could start controversy. It could start a lot of things. And so I try to be as vanilla as I can. Uh, nobody knows how – nobody's more proud of A.D. than me uh, outside of his parents. And I think he's going to be the best power forward in the league in three or four years. And I want to be a part of that. But right before the game, I don't really care to talk about that. And neither does he. You know, he's more concerned with our team. And, yeah, he wants to make the all-star team and all that stuff. But some of the media questions, and you, you've, you've been around it, outside of our little circle, some of those questions are inane. They really are, yeah, sometimes embarrassing. Because all you have to do is just read the bio, and you could answer the questions. And sometimes guys will ask me a question and answer it before I even get to speak. And it's like, okay, what do you want me to say? You've already said it. But it's a part of my job. And the one thing I don't want to do is take away from his public persona. And so I have to get over my little frustration to make sure that I put him out there in the best light I can because he is an exceptional player and an even better person. And he's growing in leaps and bounds. And sometimes I forget about that. One thing that's intriguing to me about mm -hmm. Mr. Davis right now, his numbers after his injury across the board are significantly better than his yeah pre-injury numbers. Now, part of me wants to say that's just a part of his growth, but I can't also help but think that that's a team issue as well, and that the growth of the team during that same time period 
must play into that somehow. Well, I think guys realized how much they missed him when he was gone. You know, you kind of took it for granted the first two or three weeks of the season when he's, you know, getting eight blocks, 30-point games, 25, you know, 15, 16 rebounds, and then he's gone, and you're like, man, we missed that. And I think guys appreciate you when you're gone. And I also think that he's he's just better. You know, he's he has moments where he dominates games. And um, I tend to be too tough on him. And then I look at the stat sheet, and I'm like, man, he had 24 and 12. And he looked like he didn't do anything. And he reminds me so much of David Robinson in that way. You know, David would look like he had a quiet game. And you look at the stat sheet, he'd have 25, 10, 8, 6, 3. And you're like, wow. I had no idea he did that. And AD has that. I think guys are looking for him more. Um, and when you lose Eric for a few games, it, it gives you a chance to go at AD a lot more. He gets more touches, so to speak, but he works for the touches. And then you lose Tyreek. Tyreek's been in and out all year long. So Drew and AD have had to carry us for stretches. I could do like a whole other 30 minutes, but we've got to get to a plane. Real quick, I'll, and I'll leave it up mm -hmm. to you. Uh, set me up for the weekend, whether you want to take it collectively through the rest of the road trip or if you just want to zero in on the Boston game. But what's top of mind for you as we kind of go through the next 24 to 48 to 72 hours? Number one is just we got to get there safely. Two, we got to have a great shoot around tomorrow. Um, we're playing a, a Boston team that um, plays well at home, uh, plays hard, but we just have to come out and play consistent basketball. And we can't continue to blame youth. Um, yeah, we've had some injuries. We had a lot of things happen, but you know that that to me is a part of the NBA. Uh, number one thing for us is we got to go out there and play to our capabilities every time we're on the floor. And you know that starts with a good shoot around, getting some great rest tonight. Um, Lord willing, we'll we can play tomorrow against Boston and get out of there safely. But I'm more concerned with our shoot around and how we approach um, tomorrow as a whole, not just the game, but understanding how important everything that we do is to the growth of our team and program. One step at a time. Coach, as always, thanks. I appreciate it. Good Thursday visit with you, and uh, safe travel, I guess, for all of us, and uh, best of luck to the team this weekend. Thank you, bro, and happy new year to all of our fans and everybody back home. Um, we are consistently and diligently trying to make you proud, and um, if you want to get mad at anybody about our team, have at it with me, but our guys are busting their tails, and we're going to make you proud someday. The Pelicans have won three of their last five. They dropped game one of the road trip, as we heard from Coach. It's in Minnesota. They'll look to get back on track tonight and take down the Boston Celtics. One programming note for tomorrow night's game uh, against the Indiana, Indiana Pacers. Uh, the Pelicans and Pacers will be playing about the same time that the Saints and Eagles are going off. So you'll have Saints coverage, of course, on the normal outlets across their radio network, including WWL, AM, and FM. The basketball game will be here, heard across the New Orleans Pelicans radio network, but, but specifically in New Orleans, you can find that on 1350. That's 3WL, 1350 AM, with a tip-off at 6 Central tomorrow night from um, Conseco Fieldhouse in Indianapolis. So that will be your coverage for basketball this weekend. Of course, uh, good luck to the Saints and the Pelicans both. They have busy weekends ahead. And certainly on Monday's edition of the Black and Blue Report, we're talking about wins, 
across the uh, across the board. The black for the Saints, the blue for the Pelicans. And this has been the Black and Blue Report for this Friday. We hope that you stay warm this weekend, and we hope for big wins for both of our teams. For Daniel Salerson and for John DeShazer, John Marks, Monty Williams, Judy Batista, I'm Sean Kelly thanking you for listening today, and uh, good luck to our teams as we have a big weekend in store. We'll see you on Monday, anytime afternoon central, for No Appointment Radio, the Black and Blue Report, right here on NewOrleansSaints.com, Pelicans.com, and the mobile apps for the Pelicans and the Saints. Have a great rest of your Friday, everyone. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back next week. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.